Broadcasting from Fairfax, Virginia, you are now tuned in to the Highlight Cast with your hosts, Adam McNair and Kevin Long. Welcome to the Highlight Cast. This is the first episode of the podcast from Highlight Technologies. We are a small business here in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, and uh, focused entirely on the federal government. So that's what's going to be the focus of this podcast. I'm Adam McNair, the uh, Chief Operating Officer here at Highlight Technologies. I'm joined by Kevin Law. Yes, Kevin. Want to tell everybody about what, uh, what it is you do here? Sure. Kevin Long, I'm the Vice President for Delivery at Highlight. I make sure the government gets what they pay for. There you go. So, uh, the structure of this show, what we're what we're planning on is that we will talk a little bit each episode about updates of the community, things happening in the government contracting or GovCon space. Uh, also, some things that are small business trends. We are a small business. We have a few hundred people here at, at Highlight, and there are some commonalities that, that I think you'll draw from all the different uh, small businesses that support the federal government. So the, the real intended audience for this uh, for this podcast would be both our employees, so they can kind of get a, lo- a look behind the curtain a little bit about some of the things that we, uh, that we are thinking about, some of the things that we do to operate the company, and some of the things that we face. Uh, but also for industry with uh, maybe there are some, some lessons learned or some um, best practices that can be picked up or, or shared from, uh, from those of us in the community. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that ep- every episode. And then there'll be some topics, um, either, either challenges or strategies that, uh, that we've encountered or, or employ. Also, maybe some insights and opinions as we have things that are uh, either of interest to our employees, uh, to the industry at large, or, or perhaps to both. Um, so the first topic uh, that we were going to bring up, which is uh, about news in the industry and kind of happenings that are going on, this is essentially a summer of State Department opportunities. Uh, both uh, Kevin and I have supported the State Department a lot over the years. And uh, now, Kevin, how, when did you start supporting State? Gosh, uh, 05, 04? So it's been been a while. Been all over. So HRS, CA, DS, uh, it's the whole alphabet salad. So it looks really exciting. I mean, it looks like the drought's finally over, right? Yeah. So you know, the, the, the thing about State Department that has been interesting over the years, aside from all of those letters, which are all the different bureaus inside of State Department that are, so, sometimes they actually seem like an acronym and sometimes they have nothing to do with the name of it and they've just been assigned a letter and that's what they use. Yep. But um, the thing that happened at State Department over the years, you would hear about things that were supposed to be procurements coming out and they would last literally almost for a decade without ever actually being procured. And so going back probably five or six years ago, uh, their CIO at the time, John Streifert, had this big conference where he announced that they were going to unify their central information technology requirements. He had this esoteric presentation about uh, the phalanx and a vanguard and all kinds of Roman soldier slides and um, announced that they were going to do three Vanguard procurements, and they were going to do Vanguard 1, which was supposed to be a service desk, Vanguard 2 that was going to be infrastructure, and then Vanguard 3 that was going to unite them both. Um, One Vanguard to rule them all. Exactly. Uh, Not all of that exactly happened. And so 
ended up doing Vanguard 1, which was their service desk, and then Vanguard 2 became a whole bunch of different things. Um, and so we were involved, uh, both Kevin and I, in several of those Vanguard programs over the years. Kevin, was there anything about the that whole Vanguard process the first time it went around? Was there anything that struck you about the way State Department approached all those procurements? Yeah, well, at least in terms of execution, it was a, ch- a change management challenge uh, at a minimum for uh, going through all of the independent areas of all the different bureaus that I listed off and saying, hey, IRM is now going to take your people and we're going to execute that. And it was really just, you know, grabbing pieces, parts from all over the organization uh, around the world, really, and putting them all under a single umbrella to make sure that they would execute uh, or try to execute with that. Yeah. I mean, I sat in meetings with different bureaus all over talking about how, no, no, we promise you're still going to get the amount of service that you're used to, and then actually trying to deliver that. So honestly, that's the the biggest, biggest thing I remember from uh, swapping over to the vanguards. They still call it the consolidation, I believe, like with a capital T and capital C. Yeah. Yeah, and it was I, – I know I had, had meetings inside a State Department um, where every all of my customers told me that that consolidation will never happen. Right. They can't do this. I'm not giving up my funding. <laughs> and then interestingly enough, a couple months later, they sat there and said, we really didn't think this would ever happen. And here it is. And, and here it is. Uh, another interesting thing to know about the vanguards is that most of them are small business. And yeah. so on the face of it, Vanguard 1, which became Vanguard 2.1, the consolidated service desk for all of State Department is hundreds of people, yeah, and it's a small business procurement. So large, no small business can ever recompete it and, and maintain their small business. Yeah, and really the only reason that it actually was not an abject failure initially was that as the consolidation was happening, it really started as only about a 50 or 60 person project. Yep. And then every time they would consolidate a bureau, you would add 10 or 12 people. So it was a staggered startup. Yep. Um, then you had, that turned into Vanguard 2.1. Vanguard 2.2.1. It's the best naming structure ever. It's a, a billion dollar infrastructure contract that uh, was awarded to SAIC. Then there was... 2.3.1, which is being recompeted now, uh, which is application development inside of uh, State Department. Uh, 2.3.2 was really more social media and some of that kind of uh, e-diplomacy kind of work. And smart. Smart, their messaging program. Yep. Uh, 2.3.3, which is also being recompeted now, is what they call the ESOC. It's the Enterprise Server Operations Center. And... Um, that's a, a real hardcore multi-level security data center contract. Yeah. Supporting, uh, I guess they've moved out of Terramark and are now up in Maryland and out at the uh, ESOC West so, yeah. in Colorado. And again, also small business. They did uh, 2.3.4, which was Remedy. If I recall correctly, they also, their uh, global IT modernization effort, the, the GitEm program, that was... Supposed to, or maybe was a uh, a vanguard, but two two three two yep. two three yeah two two three, and so really those were the only ones that were large business, and so all the rest of them were, were small. Yep. Nobody thought anything was going to come out of State Department anytime soon. No, with all the turnover at the top and 
with uh, Secretary Tillerson being there. I mean, the word around was anything over a million dollars would need a serious sign-off up the chain that people didn't want to ask for. So it was just bridge after bridge after bridge for all of the existing contracts. And who knew that it was suddenly going to break loose? Yeah. And so I think the, the interesting thing will be that this summer is very much about a bunch of um, State Department procurements. Uh, they came out earlier than that we, anybody thought that they really would. And uh, so teams have formed and, and people are, are participating. It will be interesting to see what happens. And really, for me, the next part that will be interesting is can they actually get them awarded? There's been a history at State Department, massive protests. Yeah. How, how long are they going to review protests for? Two, three, the ones that are out now, uh, the data center and the app dev, I mean, there's a lot of money tied up and to be made in that. Whoever loses, there will be a company that will protest the loss. Absolutely. Guaranteed. Yeah. So, um, so they are, they are very robust procurements. Uh, both 231 and 233 have, have come out. Uh, they're both 175 page technical approaches. <sighs> both of them have a, well, one of them has 27 key personnel, which right. when you're going in means you need actual named people that are real live humans that can theoretically show up and do the work with a bunch of clearances and certifications. Certifications. <laughs> you need 27 yeah. of them. And then you're going to have orals. So you got to go do an oral presentation. And um, I know I participated in, in the presentation for one of them in the first go around. And the question that they asked was, if if the main server data center caught on fire, and the backup, the backup data center didn't immediately come online, and you found out that your your night shift server operator had been involved in a car accident during a snowstorm in Denver, which is where their backup site is. <laughs> how wow. would you go about resolving that situation from DC? <laughs> you now have ten minutes to caucus, and then come back in and answer. Wow. So those are the kind of questions they ask. So it's not like, what do you think about data centers? I mean, right. it's it's hardcore stuff. So yeah. that's going to be a lot of um, a lot of companies working on those things this summer. And um, you know, we'll see. It, yeah, it's like a one month turnaround on those too. So for 175 pages plus prep for orals, I mean, it's. These, these are serious lift. They're, they're no joke on these guys. Yeah. So that's one thing that's going on in the industry right now. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And um, you know, then on, on to another topic. One of the things I think that ties into that, finding talent in, in this business. It's an art, not a science is what I, I usually tell people. Yeah. And uh, I know Kevin has certainly been able to find uh, very, very good people and from a technical standpoint and leadership capacity in lots of ways. Uh, you know, you have any particular thoughts on, on that yeah. facet? Never turn down an invitation to meet someone. Uh, I heard that once. So it's a, it's a real, it's a, it's a, it is an art and you never know who you're going to meet and one day that'll be useful to you in the future. And, uh, you know, every time someone who works with me takes another gig that's better for their career, you wish them well and you tell them, you know, I look, I don't view this as goodbye. I view this as I look forward to the next time I work with you, right? The, some of the greatest success I've had is, is being able to keep a, a growing stable of folks that you've worked with as a known quantity that, you know, keep an eye out for 
for the the next opportunity that they'll be perfect for because you know working for the government is is uh takes a special temperament personality and skill set and when you find good folks you don't let them go lightly right yeah and, and i agree one of the things that i um you know that I, I was explaining to somebody the other day is that uh, when you're when you're trying to match somebody against requirements, at some point they go from being a resume to the actual person that has to do that job. Yeah. And so you may say, okay, well, you know, I've got eight different requirements I want to match this person up against, but they have to actually show up and do the job. So that yeah. that interpersonal decision of is this the right person that can do this or not, I, I think is is an important step and and knowing the person is is a good yeah a good part of that. And so I, I agree with you that anytime you can meet somebody, keeping them in the back of your head for, for future jobs is um, is important. And it's also where you know one of the things that we've done here is really try to push referrals. Um, you know, there's been a lot of Absolutely. studies done that people that are referred to a job are happier with the job, they stay longer. There's some tactical, logical reasons why. You know, if you know somebody when you get to a company, you at least have a person to ask. And right. when you work on a project with somebody you know, you're probably going to be happier. Um, and you're not going to refer somebody that you think is a dud. So yeah. it's, I mean, you're only going to get people that, I mean, ostensibly you've hired someone, you trust them, they're doing a good job. They refer someone to you, you know, that's on their reputation too. So, I mean, it's, it is so valuable to have a great referral system. Yeah, and we've uh, you know, some of the things that we do. We in in the orientation session, we talk about the importance of referrals. That's yeah. one of the the programs that I I personally tell everybody about when they start. Uh, we also in our newsletter every month we we send out a list of jobs that we're looking for specifically for referrals on, yeah. and we have a contest annually that whoever submits the most successful referrals, ends up getting to take a trip. And uh, one of our employees, uh, uh, the employee that won that last year, she got three days of extra leave off as a, as a grant so that she could take the vacation. So it's not like, oh, here's an airplane ticket. By the way, go ahead and use your leave. Uh, and she went to Vegas. And so she went to Vegas and got to go to a Gordon Ramsay restaurant and got to go to shows. And Had a great time. Thing. Yeah. Um, and that's for, for successful referrals. So that's that's something that we've done that has helped to uh, to drive referral traffic. Yeah, um, I mean, and honestly, the price of a of a vacation to Vegas for for a bit, it when compared against if you're hiring somebody and you're actually then making money on them, as opposed to a as opposed to just having a docket sit empty, it's easy math. Yeah, there's a lot of other aspects to it. It it really is a, a complicated thing. It's it's where do you where do you advertise your jobs? What recruiting services do you use? And I don't think there's one good answer for that. And any answer you come up with, I don't think stays good for that long. You know, there was a time there where Monster, we all had Monster accounts. Monster was it. We don't even have a Monster account as a company anymore because you know, one of the exercises you do when you look at all of your job subscriptions, you go, how many unique candidates are we getting from each one? And and we don't. Now we're like on Indeed and, and I mean, LinkedIn jobs is doing great. Classdoor. I mean, it's there's a big swath now. And eventually, I think the uh, the job 
hunt services are going to take over, but I don't necessarily think they're there yet. Yeah, and, and there are there are still some you know some organizations you know like like a Zip Recruiter that their model is interesting in that it's really a curated list. They are actively they are offshore paying people to go out and build a list of potential candidates and send them to you with some better analytics behind it. That might turn into something. I think right now it's kind of a brute force effort where they right. just have a, a zillion people in a room somewhere searching resumes and trying to send them out to companies. Yep. Um, better data analytics behind it where they can really find ways to match people up. Yeah. But there's always that gap. Having people describe what they do and what they actually did are very different things. Well, you'll never replace, you know, talk, letting someone who's actually doing the work on the ground talk with someone who you think might be good at doing the work on the ground, right? You can have the best referral on earth and, you know, still not have it be the right fit. Uh, I used to hear, you know, even Morgan Freeman isn't right for every role, mm-hmm. right? Incredible actor. But so you can have incredible tech resource, really smart, really hardworking, you know, awesome. Not the right fit for Office X, yeah. right? So when you look at a resume, what do you try to look for or what speaks to you out of a resume Sure, that it really is somebody you think you might want to talk to? Absolutely. Um, step one, uh, do they meet the labor cat walls? You know, because that's easy. And, you know, we've gotten really good with our recruiters not like flagging, saying, hey, we think this person looks really good, but need waivers for X, Y, and Z. So that 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 gets removed from my plate. But really, I look for people that don't job hop, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, at least not without good reason that explains it. Um, And I look for good punctuation, proper spelling, consistent formatting, right? Like, does somebody care enough to make sure their resume looks right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because if they don't care enough about that, why are they going to care about my customer? And then I look for people that when they describe what they're doing, they they talk about what they do, they prove that they've done it and show that they care about the work that they've been doing. I agree with you on that that format aspect. I think, um, you know, we just hired uh, somebody to, to join our proposal team here and I looked at probably 50 or 60 resumes, yeah. interviewed maybe eight brought three or four people in for in-person interviews. The number of resumes that were terrible was pretty amazing. I I also think that the tone with which somebody describes their accomplishments is a little bit of that window into, are they overly braggy? Do they sound like they're taking credit for things they probably did not do? But also not all the way to the other end of the spectrum that it's just almost a, I went along with the flow and I was right. here as part of a team and there's no actual real accomplishment described. Yeah. Uh, I, I also think that people need to be mindful of what's most important about them. I feel like I end up spending a lot of time trying to go through an individual resume trying to figure out what is special about a person because they followed the format that everybody thinks they're supposed to follow on a resume. A, a resume is a, a sales document. I mean, you're a company of one and you are trying to convince someone to buy what you sell. And if you don't know what you're selling, why is anybody going to buy it? Yeah. And if you have a clearance, put it at the top. 
Right. Bolded. If, if you have certifications, especially ones that are difficult to find, put it at the top. Do things like not just your summary and your objective of I'd like to have a job. Well, of course you do. That That's why I have that, your resume. That's the point. <laughs> but things like my core skills are and bullet them out. If you were with multiple companies, but it was all really one job. And we see this a lot in the contracting community. I was on site. I worked for three different companies over the course of six years on the same project. It can make it look like you hopped jobs. Yep. When in fact, you were in the same chair. The government picked three different companies over six years. That's no fault of your own. So write that you were a system administrator for the Department of Justice from 2000 to 2010 and by the way, it was for eight different companies. Right. Same job. Your job didn't change. Your company changed. That's not the point of the resume. Yep. It's a sales topic. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, note it if you're getting promoted you're and doing stuff. If I was programmer A, then got promoted to tech lead B, and then promoted to deputy project manager C to program manager, but it was all always with the same company with that, and you've got different dates on it, you know, say, hey was with company X and promoted through six different positions, and then you can put it out. So it doesn't look like you're moving from from place to place and doing all these different things. Yeah. Explaining something, if it's going to be out of the ordinary, positive or negative, calling it to attention and explaining it. You know, I've had a lot of resumes where they show no job activity for the last four years. Showing no job activity for four years with no explanation, I'm probably not going to follow up with that person or call them. If they say, I was with the Peace Corps doing charity work, I decided to stay home and raise kids. I was writing a novel, whatever. Anything. But some kind of, a, this was a conscious choice. I was doing this. Go ahead and, and explain so, that. Yeah. you got to um, make it easy for us because you're not the only one we're looking at. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, and some metrics, some some number that, you know, I, I imaged a thousand workstations or I wrote 500 pages of something, but it can't be all that or or it feels like it's going to be mind numbing to speak to that person yeah. at, at some point. You need to be able to figure out a way to show that you're a person, but also you're a person that someone's going to want to work with. Right. Any other final thoughts on that? No, nah, just looking forward to hearing more more from the highlight cast in the future. Same here. Uh, so we, we will uh, prioritize some, some topics. We'll continue to do this. We will uh, talk a little bit about things that are happening in the community. Uh, we will talk about as we go to events in the community. We'll have some, uh, some out briefs on those. Uh, we as a company have projects all across the country. And so there's always a, a unique nuance to... Uh, supporting the federal government wherever you're doing it, uh, but each geographic area has its own personality at Georgia some level. Georgia is different than Ohio, is different than California, is different than D.C., that's for sure. Yes, that is very true. And uh, generally, um, most of the places we support seem to be uh, very difficult to get to and uh, <laughs> very, very hot and humid in the summertime. But it does seem that way. I hear there's government in San Diego, but we don't seem to get to do work there for some reason. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it on our list. Yeah. Uh, but so we'll, we'll continue to go through those kinds of topics. And uh, as we send this out, we'll, uh, we'll start to have some, some mechanisms through our, uh, 
through our website and, and through the podcast to uh, e- either collect feedback or uh, take questions from Highlight employees and so forth. So um, that's our Highlight cast, and uh, we thank you, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect Highlight Technologies and or any agency of the U.S. government.